Hello, this is Len Tengis welcoming you to the iPodcast AGCMO Weekly Podcast. In each episode, we'll feature information about a contractor, specialty contractor, supplier, contracting agency, owner, or legislative or regulatory issue pertinent to the construction industry in Missouri. We'll feature industry professionals and other construction industry representatives to help our listeners stay up to date with current and future trends in construction. So here we go. Welcome back to iPodcast AGCMO. Our guest today is Bob Shirell, and Bob is a partner, and this is a lot of initials, he's a partner with UHYLLP, Certified Public Accountants. So Bob, thanks for being here. Nice to be here, Len. Well, tell me about why does an accountant get involved in construction? It's a long story. Actually, my dad served as a CB in World War II, and uh, after making uh, airstrips across the Pacific, he came home and uh, got a degree in civil engineering from Washington University and got a job with the Worman Construction Company as a project manager and graduated on through uh, that as an estimator for quite a bit of his time and then was uh, president and chairman of the board before he uh, finally retired. For Warman. For Warman. Family history of construction. Mm -hmm. Uh, I worked some odd jobs for uh, Warman during the summers as I was in school, but I never really had felt that I wanted to be necessarily in construction. I I enjoyed building things. Mm -hmm. And my dad never really pushed me. He just indicated that you know whatever i would be happy with so um. so you worked there during the summer helping out in the field and then what made you take the turn from construction into accounting uh it was kind of a just kind of a gradual thing basically my dad suggested that i should get a degree in something that resulted in a good job and I went to college not really knowing what I wanted to do, but uh, kind of gravitated toward business, thinking that I could get a good job there, and then took some accounting classes and found that I was uh, relatively good with that and uh, ended up graduating with a degree in accounting. Did you ever use any of your accounting at Warman, or it was totally independent from the business? You know, I, I did things like janitor and uh, mm-hmm. field type stuff. <laughs> I, <laughs> we all did that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, no accounting at Worman. So you got an accounting degree then. I did. And then decided to go on, and that was your career. You were going to get your CPA. Actually, I probably didn't have my career well plotted out. Uh, I just had the degree and then went to, to look for a job, and I, I got a job at a CPA firm. And then, you know, once I was at the firm, I decided, you know, the career progression would be to obtain my CPA. So I I studied hard and passed the CPA on my first try. So you've got the accounting degree. Now, was Warman still in business at that time? It was, but Warman had a anti-nepotism policy. So even if I wanted to work there, um, they didn't hire anybody that was uh, associated with me other than odd summer jobs. Uh, So I had to find something else. I went to work as a CPA. I uh, worked for about 13 years and then decided that perhaps I'd like to try something different. I uh, left the firm that I was with and uh, became controller of Mac Electric Company. Um, And from there, I became CFO of Mac Electric Company. Is Mac Electric still around? Mac Electric was a successful company, third generation company, but we uh, made some bets, if you will, on working on the Keel Center and the Dome Stadium 
mm-hmm. um, at the same time. And the Kiel Center turned out not to be a very good job for us. And so uh, I learned a lot. I learned how to cash flow an insolvent corporation for a year. I learned how to uh, uh, work uh, in a company where the bonding company was working on your largest job. I learned how to negotiate with contractors. I learned how to do um, claims, but Mac uh, ultimately didn't survive. Well, you know, that's so important. And I think a lot of people don't understand the capitalization that's needed and the cash flow requirements for a construction company. It's really very rigorous. It's not easy at all. It is. And and it's particularly not easy when... uh, Every time you accumulate a little bit of cash, the bank says, well, you need to pay down your loan. And you say, well, but I have payroll coming up next week. And they say, well, we don't care. You know, you need to pay down the loan. And so it became a real real balancing act. But mm-hmm. uh, I learned a lot there. I, I did a lot of things that were not things that your typical CPA would do. I learned how to, you know, get out AIA billings. I learned how to get out union payrolls, set up a safety program. So I, I learned a lot about the industry while I worked in at uh, Mac Electric. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your focus now? What's your primary focus now that you're with UHY? Well, when I started with UHY, I was kind of uh, whatever was needed, and we had an opportunity to do a uh, outsource with a private equity firm. So I did that. Uh, I was uh, basically inside doing investigations of companies and putting together investor packages, and then from there. UHY became the, uh, or got the opportunity to do a um, forensic examination for a Tyco. For those that are old enough to remember that, that was a, a big deal in the time. And, and we were the firm that did that work. And I was one of the lead investigators on that. Uh, what did that involve? It was an interesting project. Basically, they uh, contacted us and said, uh, are you available? And take a one-way plane ticket and uh, pack your bag and we'll let you know when we when you can come home so i spent about a month uh, working every available hour investigating various components of tyco and it was really done at the bequest of the new ceo who was interested in making sure that he understood what was going on in the company so it was a very interesting job again a heck of a learning experience (laughs) very very much so uh so i went from that to uh, at that time, the Sarbanes-Oxley Act had just been passed, and so I was involved a lot in uh, helping public companies with their internal control evaluations. So I learned a lot about internal controls and you know what makes good internal controls. And uh, from that, uh, I was a partner on the public companies that we did in the St. Louis area, the SEC filers. Mm-hmm. And f- from that, I've now kind of pulled back and uh, for the last 10, 15 years have spent working on primarily construction companies. So what sort of work do you do for construction companies now? So I'm uh, what we call a test partner. I do the audit work. I do the financial statements for those companies and uh, give them the auditor review opinions. And then I also do a lot of consulting uh, with them. Because of my background in construction, you know, I really understand the industry, the issues that they're dealing with, not the financial statements. You know, when I was my, my first career in public accounting, I thought, well, you know, how hard can it be for to be a controller or a CFO? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really learned that, you know, the CPA is not really the top of the list. Um, 
at least he isn't unless he can provide some insight. And that's what I try and do is provide insight. Turning those numbers into some information that people can use to make some meaningful decisions about how to run a company. Correct. Now, you've been a member of AGC for a long time. You've been a member. UHY has been a member for a long time, and you've been on the Supplier Service Council for a long time. You're a busy guy. You've got a lot of different things going on. Why do you take your time to dedicate to that? What do you get out of it? I think I get a number of things out of it, but primarily, knowing the industry I do from the inside, I also realize that things change, and it's very difficult to keep up with what's important to contractors if you're not involved in industry organizations. And so I, I get that from the AGC in that I learn the current issues, you know, what's, you know, what current software are people using, what are the work issues, things like that, things that are important to the contractors. And then as part of the council, you know, how do we best provide the contractor members with information about what the suppliers and service providers do? And so that, you know, we've progressed a lot. I was, I was thinking back about how long I've been on the council, and it's at least eight years, maybe 10. And, you know, we began with providing monthly seminars, uh, and we've kind of shifted those information in, to people in the way that they prefer to receive them. We did a blog for a while, and now we have the um, weekly newsletter. Some supplier service provider will provide information and an article for each of the weekly newsletters. And so that way we get our information out to the contractors. But still, when there's a need for seminars, you know, we're available. When the uh, PPP loan first came out, you know, I led a, a discussion uh, that we had for the contractor members so that we could get the information that they needed to apply for those loans and to get the forgiveness. I would think that your involvement in that council brings a lot to the other members also with the experience you have going all the way back to starting with Warman and working your way through accounting and all the other things you've done, that, that brings a lot, I think, that people may not have access to otherwise. I hope so. <laughs> well, you've seen the benefits of the PPP stuff. You've seen the benefits of those seminars and the blogs. Any other things that the council's doing that people ought to be aware of going forward? Well, I think the, the big thing that we've been working on the last several years is the AGC First honor. And I think that's an important. It gives the supplier service providers an opportunity to demonstrate their commitment to the uh, AGC. And it also hopefully gives the contractors an ability to see who, who is committed to the organization and and uh, who should they maybe look at first before they uh, make business decisions. Well, talking about making decisions, I mean, decisions these days are so difficult in the changing environment wherein so much has changed in the last year. And even the last 18 months, we see technology, we've seen all the uh, COVID-related things, we've seen all the changes in government regulations and all the changes in accounting. What are some of those changes that people need to be aware of right now going forward? Well, in, in accounting, the big thing primarily last year was revenue recognition. And there was a change in the accounting rules that related to revenue recognition. Most people were through that before COVID hit. And then when COVID hit, the FASB elected to allow a deferment. So a few a few contractors, a few companies are probably still working on implementation of that. And then coming down the pike 
is uh, the new lease standard where all the uh, companies will be required to record on their balance sheets leases, both the uh, operating leases that they uh, used to not record and uh, the financing leases that they recorded in the past. So where will those be recorded? So you'll get a, what they call a right-to-use asset for the net present value of the future payments, and you'll have a liability on the uh, liability side for the for the note payments, and they'll be, you know, depending upon if it's an operating or a financing lease, interest or rent expense. What else should I be asking my accountant about right now to keep an eye on on my books as far as what's coming down the road? Well, I think everybody is interested in what's going to happen with the new tax law. There hasn't been a new tax law passed, but everybody's pretty sure that, that there will be one. Um, and so everybody's kind of uh, concerned about that. And obviously, people will want to, to um, monitor the situation. But, but right now, we still have uh, some pretty f- uh, favorable positions that we can take in terms of fully expensing fixed assets that are purchased. And, and that, that's really a big, a big deal in that you can expense 100% of the equipment that you need to buy. So now would be a good time to buy that equipment. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure the equipment dealers are going to love to hear that part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what advice are you giving your clients other than go buy some equipment? Well, it seems that the uh, merchants and acquisition market is, is fairly hot. If there is a, a, a niche contractor or uh, you know uh, a competitor that's smaller that perhaps has not been successful in in uh, weathering the COVID storm, maybe they might be interested in being acquired, and maybe you might be able to get them at a, f- a favorable valuation. And with the expensing of equipment, uh, you might be able to expense an awful lot of that that acquisition. In addition, a lot of companies are all of a sudden getting offers from private equity, and those offers are quite high. And people who hadn't previously thought that they might sell the company are are looking at the opportunity for tax rates to go up, incredible amounts of money being flashed at them, and there are some transactions that are occurring. So private equity folks are seeing construction as a good investment, investment in construction firms as as a bullish market right now. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of a number of them, and construction, to me, is, is a kind of a relationship business, but private equity seems to think that they can, can make a, a good return on it, and uh, a lot of people are at least listening. Now, you have to be careful, and you have to make sure that you have a good team behind you. You know, the, the business developer guy that comes in with the, with the large offer, uh, he's a great guy, but then he's followed up by the lawyers and the due diligence people, mm-hmm. and their job is to, you know, protect their company or uh, maybe reduce the price. And so you need to have a, an equally good team on your side to uh, help you uh, negotiate the process. People usually only sell one business in their career, and it's not something that they're all that knowledgeable about, and they need some help. As an outsider and not an accountant, I wonder... How do you go about valuing a construction company for something like that? That has to be an extremely complex process. It definitely is, you know, and everybody has their own view as to how it, it should be valued. But basically, all companies are valued on some multiple of EBITDA. And also, you know, there are certain what they call addbacks to EBITDA, you know, uh, expenses that the continuing company 
won't have, and so you're allowed to get you know benefit from those. They also like to try and stick you with expenses that you don't have that they will have, and you have to be careful with that. Uh, and then it becomes a, a judgment call as to you know what's the proper multiple to use. Bob, what else can I share with our folks before we wrap up today? Well, at, so at UHY, we do a uh, middle market survey and just thought I'd kind of look into what our construction companies are saying. And, and the survey is, is really kind of say the same thing that the contractors that I, I talked to. Uh, in terms of the pandemic, you know, what was the impact and what does the future look for them? A lot of my contractors didn't have a bad year last year. They actually had a pretty good year. Our surveys shows that most people expect the, there to be a U-shaped recovery, some even better, and you know hopefully that's what we find. Survey also says that the top issues for contractors are generating revenue, which is always a problem, right? And retaining or attracting new talent, which you know we've been talking about uh, in construction for a long time. Our survey uh, shows that, that that's a problem. And that talent is at every level. It's field personnel. It's, it's blue collar and white collar. Absolutely. Uh, and then the other thing is, is that, you know, the investments, as I, I mentioned before, people are looking to expense uh, significant equipment and they're looking to buy some equipment. So that, that's, that's what we've seen. A U-shaped recovery sounds pretty good after what we've been through. Yeah, it would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> you said it. Well, Bob... Thank you for your service to AGC. Thank you for your participation as Supplier Service Provider Council. The experience you have really brings a lot to those folks just starting out in the industry and I think really helps bring a perspective that others would not have otherwise without your experience. Thank you so much. Thanks, Len. Thanks again for listening. It's easy to subscribe to iPodcast AGCMO on almost any podcast platform that you use. We hope you do subscribe and continue to listen as we move forward with this important project for the construction industry. To access our prior podcasts, visit www.agcmo.org, not only for podcasts, but for additional information about AGC of Missouri.